Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Streetside Brewery. Look, these guys are located in historic Columbia, Tusculum neighborhood on the east side of Cincinnati. And Streetside is really the perfect mix of just local neighborhood watering hole and a modern craft beer brewery. They have 24 beers on tap, and I promise you, you will not find a bad one amongst them. These guys were great when they had us out for the live show for the CONCACAF Champions Cup kickoff to start FC Cincinnati season, and they do events all throughout the year. They do a pint night on Tuesday nights. They do Premier League mornings. Tons of really fun events there. But a special note to Postcast listeners, if you mention the Cincy Postcast at the bar when you're getting your beer, they will take a buck off of your beer and you let them know that we sent you their way. You can find them at 4003 Eastern Avenue or in the fridge of wherever you're picking up your next beer. Again, a huge, huge thank you to Streetside Brewery for sponsoring the Postcast. And on today's episode, we have such a full one for you. We just went through the entire offseason with no matches to talk about. We start off today with two matches to talk about. In part one, we talk about MLS kicking off FC Cincinnati versus Toronto. It was a dull affair, but tons of lessons to be learned, what this team may be missing, what they need to get together to put this season into the success column. That is all happening in part one. In part two, it's a look back at the Champions League matchup against Cavalier and a look ahead to the midweek clash against Cavalier this week as well. And then over in part three, we are answering listener questions from the Patreon. You put that all together, you got yourself a postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who also could barely hear each other at Streetside Brewery. I am joined by the Chief. I am joined by Grayson. Chief, be honest. Do we have more than 12 listeners? Is it time to drop the facade? <laughs> Maybe 14. It's it's you, it's you could, more you than get, 12. You could get me as high to 15, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's always so difficult to know who's listening, who's not listening. Um, but yes, I, I don't know if you guys have the same reaction, but when we showed up at Streetside, I was mentally prepared to be embarrassed at how few people showed up. Yes. And then when I walked in, I was embarrassed at how many people showed up because <laughs> there was just this certain knowledge that whatever you're coming in here expecting, we are going to grossly under deliver. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Grayson, would you like to tell the uh, the fine people um, how much we prepared for the Streetside Brewery live show walking into that, that building? Uh, I got there at like 6.50. That was my prep. That was good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> being alive and in the building. <laughs> we, we at least one point had gone out to Streetside ahead of time just yes. to 
claim we were scoping the building out. It was really, drink beers. Drink beers. Yeah, no, we were just there to drink. <laughs> <laughs> that was show prep, I think, right? Yeah, we knew vaguely what the uh, the the venue looked like. That was important. Yeah, how to get a beer quickly. We figured that out as well. You know, we confirmed <laughs> they do have TVs, which you know, having been to Streetside Brewery many times, um, I already knew that, but. Yeah. Double checking. I, yeah. Yeah. We were double double checking. They were still there. They plugged in all that good stuff. <laughs> I don't even know if we tried to tune them to Fox Sports 2 to see if they got the channel. I think we were just taking that on faith. We figured that the they had a cover. Very, they knew it. Very they knew competent people. Yeah. Yes. Very competent people at Streetside. Uh, yeah. Thank you so, so, so much to anybody and everybody who showed up. Um, yeah, quite a few of you did, which uh, was pretty overwhelming, um, which is great for Streetside. Love showing uh, support for our sponsors. Uh, that was great. Pat Brennan showing up. That was awesome. Yeah, thank uh, you, Loved Pat. having Pat. So nice. Oh, the, uh, the appearance by Opie was a highlight for me. Uh, and I got to say... Uh, I've been lucky enough to be around the Supporter Shield a few times. Chief, I know you've you've had more than your fair share of the Supporter Shield. This is accurate. That was one of the happier reactions I've seen to the Supporter Shield. A lot of people just popped up immediately. They wanted their photos with the Shield. I loved that. That was a lot of fun when that showed up. That was awesome. The other part that I really enjoyed of the evening was I didn't know Pat Brennan had that level of showman in him. Reading out the lineup. Uh, as if he was doing the PA at TQL Stadium, letting the crowd yell out the last names as he did it. No disappointment in the room. Everybody top of the lungs, full voice on that one. Um, that was a blast. That was a lot of fun. And uh, Streetside Brewery still our sponsor. It wasn't a one-off thing. Make sure that you're going there, buying a beer. Let them know we sent you. They're good people. Their beer is really good. And who doesn't love saving a dollar off when they go get a, a nice craft beer somewhere? So. Thank you very much to Streetside for hosting us. That was really, really awesome. Like Chief, I was thought there was not going to be a lot of people that showed up. I was literally texting friends of mine the night before, like, hey, um, I have a podcast, by the way. And, <laughs> uh, we're doing a thing tomorrow night at Streetside. Um, nobody, nobody came. Uh, but that's okay. No. <laughs> um, what I, you know, I thought originally one of the things that would nice about having a podcast is you never had to meet anybody and I was big, I was big uh, on that but um, the folks that came out that I met were very very nice and supportive and, and said you know positive uh, flattering lies about how much they like listening to the show so <laughs> yeah i think we can all uh agree on this there was a very nice woman during the q a who asked a very intelligent question about the fought mob lineups and i think we all we all had some regrets afterwards that we we maybe felt like we were too dismissive of her so if you are in fact a listener we, we just want you to know that we liked the question but we have all been just so sick of how bad Fat Mob is at lineups, that the dismissiveness was not towards you. It was towards Fat Mob being weirdly bad at this. And that is that is where that energy was coming from. I wanted to make sure that was pointed in the right direction. And I'll tell you this, she was right. That that was not the lineup the team usually plays. Yep. What Fat Mob was showing, right? 
and um, she had a free match shirt, and you love to see it. Ugh. And I hope she bought the free match shirt with a uh, the post MC <laughs> discount code. But I mean, she she might have been right. They might have been better off playing that formation this weekend. For all we know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good point. You know, spice it up a little bit there. Um, gosh, well, we have quite a bit of soccer to get into because we are now in the thick of the season. Uh, we go so, so long with it. Not that long. We go so long without matches and suddenly we have two matches that we have to cover in you, one episode. You know, be, you know, it'd be really funny. We spent the entire off season talking about too much soccer. It would have been really funny to drop like the Dungeons and Dragons episode this week. Like, <laughs> or... <laughs> two movie reviews and just don't talk about any of the games that happened <laughs> we may we may need to bank like a movie review episode after like a brutal loss like a four nothing loss we're just like hey you know what here's our take on tremors i <laughs> whatever it great is. movie honestly tremors watching all of the sequels too might have been more entertaining than watching this match back again i don't Oof. know Oof. not not too much <laughs> i do have extensive notes I did take extensive notes about next goal wins in case just just in case it comes up. Yeah, there were a lot of questions about what other movies is Grayson self-censoring himself from. So that was good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we are we are going to start off with the Toronto match. It is freshest in our minds. We are recording this Sunday night after the game. We will get to Cavalier and CONCACAF Champions League in part two. So we'll we'll dive into MLS action uh, to start us off here. I will say, before we get to the game, Chief, how did it feel to be back in match mode, pre-match ceremonies and and traditions? How how did it feel to be back? It was really funny um, being back, doing the match routine, because the overwhelming thought I had in my mind was, number one, wow, it doesn't feel like it's been too long. It feels like we were just doing this yesterday. Yep. And also just this sort of, oh yeah, the last time we did this, it didn't end well. This was, yeah, there was, there were like walking into TQL stadium again was like returning to the scene of a horrific episode in your own life. Like mm-hmm. the only thing I can compare it to was, I don't know, like a restaurant you got dumped at or yes, where a yes. horrendous relationship ended or, you know, going back to the site of where you had to do a music recital in grade school and it went horribly wrong. A bad car wreck. Yeah. Know, something and like that. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you walk in and I recognize this place. I'm familiar with this place. I didn't like the way my last trip to this place went. <laughs> <laughs> but it was what was interesting about it was that, OK, it was a nice day today. It was warm out. Didn't feel like winter soccer. Score mm-hmm. one to the Euro calendar hardos that this is actually not a pleasant, uh, unpleasant way to watch. I don't know that I was ready to be back, but it, it was nice that mm-hmm. we had the Cavalier match on Thursday as sort of a, a nice soft opening to the 2024 season. It's where it sort of eased us back into things where this wasn't quite the return to trauma that it might otherwise have been if we hadn't had something else that was a positive FC experience sort of kick sort of sort of to kick us off yeah but otherwise um it just feels so soon (laughs) I know (laughs) 
And I know Mrs. Chief holds that sentiment because she's been complaining nonstop this week about how short the off season was. And you've got to be kidding me. We're back doing this all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my wife was right there with me. Uh, Grace, and I know you didn't get to, to take in the festivities. So allow me to tell you what some of the, uh, the lauded stadium improvements that were added in the offseason. I don't know. Uh, Chief, you, you sit in some fairly fancy seats. I'm not even sure you got to see these. But on the main concourse bathrooms now, all of the men's room urinals now come with a little miniature TV screen right at eye level when you are using the urinal and a, a dare I say, cute little shelf. It has a little like railing around it for what I assume is your beer to put up there. Um, now, the little TV screen right in front of your face, you're thinking, oh, this is great. We're never going to miss, you know, a moment in the match when 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 having to run to the restroom. As far as I can tell, they only showed advertisements. <laughs> They do not show the match whatsoever. Uh, what they did add was in most of the, the restrooms I went to, which was weirdly three. Uh, so I think in all of them, they added extra speakers. The in-stadium PA was very loud. Tommy G was very loud in the restroom. But um, And isn't that what scale- everybody wants in the men's room, just to hear the sweet sounds of Tommy <laughs> G's voice serenading them? That's all I want. I'm just wondering, Grace, on a scale of one to ten, how dystopian is it to have uh, digital ad boards directly into your retina as you're trying to relieve yourself? I guess it does kind of alleviate the fear that some people might have that folks next to them are like looking side to side (laughs) because they're so, you know entranced by the ads right 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 they should only have ads for things that you can get in the stadium Ooh. so there's nothing worse than seeing an ad for something and then thinking oh i can't i can't get that right now i'm so interested in this product but i'm my focus is elsewhere they should definitely ensure that they're only advertising products that you could get in stadium like oh i would love to get a freshest big boy right now can i get a buskin cookie to go with that anywhere advertising board please tell me more <laughs> yeah. What if you what if you did like a like some like clockwork orange type uh montage <laughs> on the on the urinal screens? <laughs> it would probably move the lines a little faster. That's a yeah, good if, point. If it was just showing highlights of the Columbus loss <laughs> last year. <laughs> it's like I don't want to see this. I got to, you know, Get the stream going faster. I got to get the hell out of here right now. <laughs> oh, I, I really like that. Up. It is kind of screwed up, though, that like every other stadium I've been to, they've got TVs everywhere so you can keep watching the game yeah. while you're in line for the can. And TQL Stadium is just grossly indifferent. As best I can tell, the business model is, you know, use at your own risk. You might miss something big, which then I think encourages people to wait till halftime and then congest the line at halftime. So I don't yeah. know. I, just... I think it's a sign of a healthy society, frankly. Ooh. There's a sequence in uh, the book Atlas Shrugged when the two characters take a drive out in like northern Wisconsin. And at one point, the character turns to his passenger in the car and he's horrified 
that they have not seen a billboard for hours. <laughs> and, you know, the lack of lack of advertisements shows the sign of a decaying, diseased society where nobody is producing. Mm. Right. Nobody is producing. Nobody is trying to sell because there's there's nothing worth making and nobody to sell to. Damn. And I think that as long as there are video advertisements on top of the urinals, we'll know that we're living in a productive utopia. I like that. Right up until all of the ads are like, go army ads, right? Like, <laughs> they're all just military <laughs> recruitment. And <laughs> well, it's all, it's all, it's all, I assume it's all like DraftKings. Yeah, right, right. It, well, it should be all DraftKings, except for one stall, one urinal stall, randomly every 15 minutes should have one of those ads that you used to get in the internet 1.0 for, you know, male enhancement. Just to make people wonder, is like, wait, is there a camera built into this thing? Is it looking at me? <laughs> right. How targeted are these ads? Wait a second. <laughs> what if it was just like a totally realistic looking train driving right at the screen? <laughs> just give people a little scare. Yeah, like those TikTok jump scares where all of a sudden the baseball is coming right at you. Yes. <laughs> no, I was just hey. imagining, what was, the, what was the dude that used to do the uh, do the ads for that company that got... Um, sued that was supposed to make your uh your, oh. your member a little larger smiling bob was that the, the guy what's oh, the name of enzite or something like that where they, got, they got sued into oblivion for this guy if that guy was just randomly showing up on one of the urinals <laughs> out of nowhere after being sued for like 20 years prior man i, I, I would enjoy that. that forever why did they go with like the man who laughs Kind of look for smiling Bob. Bob's right. having it. Bob's having it. Every day is a great day for Bob. When like Bob's like, you know how I got these scars? <laughs> Natural male enhancement. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Come on, Bob. Why so serious? Uh, so well, the, the, the urinal videos total dud. Major thumbs down on that one. Yeah, I'm just going to chalk this up to they haven't figured out how to play the big screen video into or the even, or even worse they didn't they need an individual Apple TV subscription for each video <laughs> and they found out it was going to bankrupt the team to try and show these games in the can. <laughs> Man. I was going to say maybe like the distribution license doesn't include like <laughs> Certain spaces, right? We we regret to we regret to inform you that the men's room in the northeast corner of TQL Stadium is not an officially a pub partner, so they aren't <laughs> allowed to show the match. Oh man! Uh, well, in one of the restrooms, they did add a urinal that was previously missing. There was like a weird gap. There's a slight bend in the wall there. I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but it would cause chaos in that restroom because everybody would like walk to that spot thinking there was an open urinal and there was no toilet there. And uh, now there is one. That shows you we don't have a real sports culture in this country. If this was like a real sports culture, like Wrigley Field, yes. somebody would have made a makeshift urinal there. Fact. Also, I think it's weird that everybody like waits at the edge of the restroom and then like charges to the one instead of just like making a mini queue behind. No, you can't do that because if you do that, then you inevitably get stuck behind the guy with a weak stream and then everybody else is moving faster and you pick okay. the wrong line. I think where our original sin was in American sports culture 
speaking of Wrigley Field, was abandoning the trough. <laughs> the trough is such an elegant solution for getting the most number of people in and out of a men's room as quickly as possible. No individual dividers. You are limited only by your level of stage fright and your closeness with your fellow man. Just saying, bring the trough back. It makes more sense in a soccer context, I will say, where where the, the speed and the windows of opportunity are, are way more important there. If if I showed up at the first financial club <laughs> and there was a trough. <laughs> like, okay, maybe behind the Bailey. Right. <laughs> That's a Bailey feature. All right. You leave the troughs in the Bailey no, thanks. I'm assuming the trough in the first financial club would be very nice. Gold plated, nice fixtures. <laughs> Always full of ice, you know. Yeah, be a classy you know, trough. A fun there, yeah. <laughs> what other improvements did you notice at TQL Stadium, Kevin? Did you try any of the new food there today? Uh, the new like souvenir popcorn bucket was a nice addition. I don't remember that in years past. Uh, Eleven dollars unlimited refills on popcorn. I will say. They're opening themselves up, and I don't want to say this out loud, at least they take this away from us, but you buy one of those, you celebrate a goal with a popcorn shower, you just go back downstairs to get your free popcorn. So it's sort of encouraging oh popcorn God, showers. A, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the Bailey buys a popcorn bucket to start the game out. Refill it at halftime. Yeah. Or if, for a match like today, just eat it. Yeah, just enjoy the popcorn throughout the course of the match. Um, that was the only food I tried. Chief, did you notice anything where you sat? I um, I am now a member of the bourgeoisie. I have <sighs> transitioned wow. to the first financial club. We get one Patreon month. Keep and- those Patreon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, actually, the aforementioned Mrs. Chief delivered an ultimatum that uh, we needed to upgrade to seats because she was tired of standing because she stands all day for work and she's not going to stand all day when it comes to sporting events so we did have to um we did have to find an area that does have a chair back so we ended up in the first financial club so i sampled a burger with some guacamole on it but i've already had that before that's you know we i partook in one of those when we went to our our little dalliance during the u.s open cup and we sprung for first financial club seats (laughs) so um i was restricted to the club area unfortunately uh, I will at some point venture out among the masses and find out what is new at TQL Stadium this year. But it was not to be. I won't. It was not to be today. <laughs> <laughs> Grayson will not uh, brush his shoulders up against yours. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was a, a lively. Atmosphere. I saw enough masses on Thursday. Yeah, that was it's, it's crowded out. All right, folks. <laughs> the social battery. It is drained at this point. <laughs> Uh, so as uh, maybe this was just me, but as we turn the corner from Washington Park uh, to, to march towards TQL Stadium, that's usually when uh, my apps of choice load up the lineup and we got a very different look this year, at least in this game, than the FC Cincinnati we got accustomed to in 2023. I'm going to run through the lineup here uh, very quickly. Roman Celentano in goal. That one wasn't new. Uh, but then that back line from left to right, Ian Murphy, Miles Robinson, Kip K. 
Keller with Luca Oriano way out on the left wing back position. Yuya Kubo as your right wing back. Pavel Buka, Obi Wobodo, and Lucho Acosta are your three man midfield with Sergio Santos and Corey Baird up top. Uh, I think I read this online. I'm not going to check the math here. Seven new starters in the lineup for FC Cincinnati in Major League Soccer, releasing new positions. Chief, what was your first impression when you saw that lineup? So I guess the place to start was that uh, right around kickoff time, I think it was Carter from the team, tweets out that Aaron Bupenza is on a pitch count today due to picking up some sort of a hamstring injury at some point. Now, mm-hmm. he hadn't traveled to Jamaica for the midweek game in CONCACAF due to owing to some issues specifically with his visa and where he is allowed to travel without having to go back for an embassy appointment at Gabon, which is probably not in his best interest for the time being until things maybe get sorted out or get a little more clear with his legal status there. Uh, so without Bupenza in the lineup, you uh, have a, tr- a striker pairing of Sergio Santos and Corey Baird. And so my first thought looking at this lineup was, man, does this ever put into perspective that they need to go shopping for a striker or some depth the striker position? Because just, I swear to myself, we're not going to be negative this year. We're not going to be, you know, overreacting to anything. And I'm not, for the most part. There are a lot of very good reasons why this match turned out the way it did that we'll talk about as we go along. But the first thought at looking at the lineup is Sergio Santos and Corey Baird is not going to get it done. And you need better depth at striker, specifically than Santos, who has, for the majority of his career with FC Cincinnati, looked incredibly disappointing and non-threatening. So that was the first thing that stuck out to me that once you get by Aaron Bapenza, this team may have some difficulties when it comes to fielding an attacking lineup. Uh, Grayson, thoughts on the lineup? Were your first impression? Where were your eyes drawn to first there? Well, so I, um, I got in the car and turned on Sirius XM FC, and the game was about 20 minutes in. <laughs> I was trying to figure out who was in the lineup based on whose names were, were called. Ooh. And I think I had 10 of them for a while. And I actually started to wonder if Bupenza had gotten a red card. <laughs> because I had not heard a striker's name called by, by Tommy G for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. <laughs> and then when I found that it was Sergio Santos, it kind of made sense. Yeah. That's that's a really funny way to try to <laughs> work your way backwards as to what what was actually happening in the that's game. Actually a, that's actually a really elegant way also to describe just how non-threatening the FC was for the majority of this game, that you could go stretches of 10 to 15 minutes and not have any idea who was playing striker for this team, just because there were no dangerous moments for this team by and large. And you probably missed one of the most dangerous moments which was Corey Baird attempting a bicycle kick. And then I don't think he touched the ball for the remainder of the game after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, looking, please. Looking, but looking at the rest of the lineup, um, it was good to see Luca Oriano um, 
I, I'm amazed he was able to play considering he was only signed on Friday. And wow. we talk about how often, how ter- how difficult it is for players to make the transition to MLS. I think that narrative is dead because he signs on a Friday. He's available to play on a Sunday. I don't think anyone else has an excuse now for not being able to be ready, considering how quick of a turnaround that was, because in no way has he been here for weeks and weeks <laughs> training <laughs> under an assumed alias. Uh, so it was good to see Oriano out there. The yep. other thing, uh, Yu Yakubo uh, gets the nod right out there at right wing back. They still list him as a midfielder. <laughs> uh, when they do the official team lineups and the announcements. Uh, so I guess that kind of answers the question in a way that we all, I think we all suspected that Yuya Kubo, until they sign a right wing back, is going to be the first choice right wing back. So I thought that was interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Kip Keller, we knew we were going to get him, given the fact that Matt Miazga still coming back off suspension. Uh, so this was the Kip Keller game for at least the first go around. Otherwise, uh, you like the lineup. This is a very close to other than Bupens and Miazga. This is very close to what you th- I think is their first choice lineup right now. Yeah, there was quite a bit of change from last year, but I think projecting ahead, given who's on the roster now, and that's a, a fairly big caveat here. This is pretty close to the first choice lineup, and that's exciting on one hand that this this is the team that you know is is pretty close there and we knew Bupenza hurt Miazga will get back in the next game uh both in MLS and CONCACAF Champions League so that's all great that's all working in the direction we wanted to um and that this is a team that is going to get the ability to gel and it's a team that really needs the time together and it really needs uh to work this out Um, I was excited to see Luca in the starting lineup. I know a lot of people were hesitant to say he would, and I understand some of that's hedging with, I guess, not being able to admit that he's been with the team, Uh, but the fact that he stepped in and I will say was good. I, I think he, he showed a lot of what we saw with Barrial, maybe not as sharp as, you know, midseason or postseason Barrial was down the stretch. He looked the part and he looked dangerous at times and he had some great interceptions. Gracing, you called it. He he was a dribbly boy out there a few times. I don't know if that came through on the radio call or not, but he he could dribble around some guys pretty easily. The so I think that maybe the best way to do our recaps this year. So we've got the lineup out here. Yeah. Takeaways, top line from the game before we start to break it down individually. I, I think that's a, a good way to do this. So my top line takeaway from this game was that we described this team as a work in progress in terms of the roster build. Mm-hmm. And after watching this team for the first time playing against actual MLS competition. And we'll talk in segment two a little bit about the Cavalier match, but I don't know that my reaction is different even based on watching the Cavalier match. And that's that this team is very, very much a work in progress on the field right now. Um, And that's owing to a number of things that this team hasn't played much together in terms of very key parts of the link up. If you think about this team last year, they were very heavily dependent on the interplay between Lucho Acosta and Alvaro and 
I'm told I pronounce his name all the time, and I'm never going to change now at this point. But Alvaro Barial, the link up between him and Lucho Acosta was so key to what this team wanted to do from an attacking point of view. That's gone. And it's Lucho trying to develop chemistry with a new partner on his left-hand side and a player that's never played the position on his right-hand side. And so much of what this team wants to do when it attacks goes through the wingbacks, and that's two new people right there. And then when you add in on top of that, he doesn't have Brandon Vasquez in front of him any longer. There's an entirely new striker pairing ahead of him. And also one of the people that have let, that was one of their best looking players in the preseason, but Penza wasn't playing. There is just a lot of new moving parts on this team. And, you know, it's not a cause for panic, but it looked bad today. It did not look good. This did not look like a team that was ready to compete in MLS. But that's to be expected to a certain degree. This is only their second time out there, you know, facing live pitching. But the way this team played today against a team that is probably going to be abysmal this year was just not good. Grayson, what's what's your takeaway from this match? What's your your overall feel from this one? Well, so as as we've mentioned, I did not watch the game. But the thing is, like, I have... I don't need to watch games because I, I see like in the penumbras, <laughs> like I see like in the spaces between spaces. So I more look through games into the narratives. Right. right. And into the so I don't need to actually see the game to to understand the um the the narrative, the takeaway. I mean, in many cases, actually seeing the game pollutes the take and the integrity of the take. So. This is good. So I think the main takeaway is that, as we've said, it's early season, maybe a little rough for FC Cincinnati this year. But um, what what the needs are, are clear. And you're still seeing some good things from the new additions. And the center back, the center backs and center back depth is pretty much as advertised. Yeah. yeah. Right. And with, with the center back play that they can expect. And look, I know people were down on Kip Keller when they signed him. People like to point out that, um, you know, he didn't get a lot of time with, with Austin. Um, and he looked bad at times with Austin. And our, statement when they signed him was one cheap uh talent yep and two uh he's gonna be playing in a back three system here and he has a profile that is similar to other players who have succeeded in pat noonan's back three system the way that he and kenny arena are coaching up the center backs and by all accounts it sounds like Kip Keller show, has sh- showed today that there is there is hope for him as a mem- as a as a member of FC Cincinnati's center back rotation this season. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's very well said. For somebody who didn't watch the game, that is definitely one of my takeaways is that this defense is as good as we thought it would be but i do think kevin what's your top line takeaway before we get further into this 
Yeah, that's it's exactly where I was going, which is, Chief, I, th- I think I disagree with you. I think I was actually more encouraged from this game than discouraged, uh, partially because, yes, I... He's my meme, right? All right. He's he's my guy. But Kip Keller looked really, really good in this game. And if he is, in fact, our fifth center back, we're going to be really hard to score against. And even when the team did not have its best game, they kept a clean sheet. But I think about this. I think that this team, this is not... I'm not going to say that this is the worst the team will look all year. I don't think that's true. But I will say this is the least familiar the team will be with each other all year in MLS. That Buka and Acosta have not figured out their rhythm yet. Oriano and Wobodo and Acosta, they've not figured that out yet. And we did not get to see Bupenza and Baird uh, develop chemistry together. And that's not even to say that we don't expect a right wing back to come in for Kubo and potentially uh, another striker added to the striker room at some point in time. But this was the most, you know, disjointed that we'll have these players be all year. And still, there were some really good moments. There were some opportunities. There were some flashes. And as as long as Noonan and the coaching staff continue to do what we believe that they will do, and we believe that because we have seen that over the last couple of years, that they will continue to improve this team over time, I think that this team is very well positioned to gel together, move forward, and do very well. And I also say, just for a little added context, Every single MLS team that participated in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, before MLS season kicked off, not a single one of them got a victory this weekend. So in that context... It's the team's... I think it's the teams that played midweek. Yeah, the teams that played midweek. Excuse me. So yeah, if you played, I guess, three weeks ago... Okay, I understand that. And I understand that. I understand the argument. I'm so sick of it. You're a professional. Do better. <laughs> we play midweek games all the time. All the time we play midweek games. We play Wednesday games all the time. I get it was a Thursday game. You're pros. It's your first game of the year. Like, I hate this excuse with a, just a blinding passion. Every every league, every pro league of note plays continental ch- tournaments and continental cups and somehow they all manage to win games occasionally, and none of these teams go into the tank just because they have to fly a little bit to go play a game. It's this uniquely MLS excuse, and the league just needs to get better. It just, I, I hate this. Like, can you imagine this excuse playing anywhere else in the world? It's like, oh man, we had to go play in Champions League midweek and we're wiped. We have no chance against, you know, Burnley or whoever the hell's at the bottom of the Premier League this year. Like this, they were playing the worst team in MLS. You, you got to do, a, these teams got to do a little better in these midweek games. I'm sorry. It's just, it's a sad, it's, I read that number from MLS that none of these teams won. And I'm just, that is such a sad commentary on the league that the, all these teams get wiped by one needing to travel one time. So to that, to that point, I think I'm not, I'm not so interested in, in, exploring the the hotness of that take per se <laughs> okay 
but does it but i think that it's adjacent to something i i thought i had listening to the game as um tommy was tommy g was talking about you know potential substitutions and what was going on on the bench and um feels like the depth on this team right now is really bad mm. outside of maybe the center back position if everybody's available there, but today they weren't right. Right. So like the, the outside, the wingback rotation was bringing in, um, Powell for Oriana and moving Kubo to the left and then bringing Halsey in very, very late for Kubo. Yeah. They, they started Santos at striker and then Bupenza came in and then the sub for Baird was Dotto, who I think had had seven minutes in MLS total. Yeah, up, right. Until today. Marco Mangulo wasn't even on the bench. Which is interesting. I definitely want to talk Which about that. Which is interesting. So then the, the midfield depth is Malik Pinto. And I'm not... Look, I like all of the players that I mentioned. They've all shown different things at various times. And I think, you know, Pinto, Dotto, Halsey, these are all, these are promising young players. Right. Who, you know, you could see them developing. But where was your, like, impact sub in that group? Like, who is your proven talent coming in off the bench in that group? Other than... Bupenza, who I'm not really counting because like he should have been starting, right? Bar, except for like his you know hamstring issue, but like he would normally be starting, right? Right, right, right. And that's that was sort of I got I don't know if I cooked is the right word for it, but I put in the one of the I put in the Discord I think on the post that you're in a nil nil game at home, and your move is to bring on Alvis Powell and Dotto Valenzuela. That's you're not going to win a game bringing those two guys off the bench. Um, Powell is incredibly limited going forward. And I know everyone is high on what Valenzuela might become. Right now, he is a decidedly below average MLS player. And Ooh. he does not. I'm not. It's no shade. He's a very young player who needs minutes and he needs to develop. But as of right now, no one is looking over to Dotto Valenzuela coming off the bench and thinking, hell yeah, this guy's going to change a game. That's not on our side, and there's certainly no one on the other side that fears Dotto Valenzuela coming into the game. Sure, he's a nice kid. I'm sure he's got a nice future, but right now, he's not that guy. And I agree with Grayson's point. We talked about this last year, was that down the stretch in MLS Cup, this team had a decided lack of, dy of dynamic performers on the bench that could come in to change a match. And right now, one of those guys who you would have profiled to be that way is Yuya Kubo. He's a starter because we don't have a right wing back. Another guy who I think probably profiles that way potentially would be a Corey Baird, who you could bring in off mm -hmm. the bench to be a striker. And he's a starter because they're apparently still shopping for a starting striker. So until this is more of what we talked about in the season preview and why work in progress mode, it isn't panic mode. It's that these players that we need to be game changers to go change a game late they have to start right now because the roster build isn't complete right now and i think that 
I think that's an incredibly astute observation from Grayson right there is that you see the substitution patterns and it's like, wow, they've got nothing they can go to in terms of changing this game. Um, and even if I, I would say that even if Bupenza would have started, I mean, Santos played so thoroughly average right. that I don't think that you could even make the claim Santos would have been a game changer coming off the bench. But if Santos is going to be effective, I think his biggest chance of being effective in MLS competition is as a is as a second yes. half sub. Yes. Running it running it tired defenders. Yes. And so you start him when I think he's at his least likely to be effective. And then you bring in like Bupenza cold in the middle of the game. And yeah, like you end up with Valenzuela coming in for Baird. And I really and like I would love nothing more than for Valenzuela to be the guy you look for who's going to make make a difference and and provide, you know, dangerous goal threat um, off the bench. And he needs to get minutes for sure. But as Chief said, this was a zero zero game in league competition at home. All things being equal, this isn't a let's get the homegrown minutes game right right this is a let's throw on christian ramirez right to try to win get the win i will say and it probably didn't come through on the radio uh dado's green boots were awesome they're very bright and i think he was very lively i was getting a lot of halsey last year vibes from dado like he was not taking any shit and getting involved and showed uh, flashes of chemistry with lucho which is exciting if that is something that can develop so i will say i'm slightly bullish on on dado coming out of this game but granted yes he's not a proven mls commodity that you know is capable of of taking over a game as a substitute for sure for sure he's also not even an unproven commodity he's like a lottery ticket at this point in his career and you know flashes are great but this was a match where you would have liked to have seen them pour something on at the end they started to possess the ball a little bit more in the second half and there was just nothing they could go to that was going to break this game down there was nothing that they had to offer that was going to change the math on how this game was going. And look, work in progress, not a great sign for the early in the year. What if you had like a U-22 midfielder with like Copa Sudamerica finals experience and was a full, was a international for a South American national team yeah. to bring off the yeah. bench, right? Like that's the type of player you would love to have on the bench. And I like, I'm not, I am not at all second guessing the decision for Marco Angula not being available. I guarantee there's a very good reason that he's available. The reason that he's, that he wasn't available. Um, the point I'm making is like, that's a spot that you would have liked to have available to you in today's game. And for whatever reason, I don't know if that was, I don't know if anybody's put that out there. I was driving for like six hours today. <laughs> That reason did not come up. Um, I do think it's fair to speculate that the club is looking for a loan opportunity for him, and I would not be surprised to learn in the next couple of days that he was getting a medical somewhere or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think Pat 
Brennan actually reported yeah. that they were looking for a loan yeah. for him. So, which again would free up that spot. Midfield is certainly a position that a U twenty two role would be useful for. Striker would be useful there. I don't know what. Well, if you sign a if you sign a right wing back, Kubo can then become your midfield depth. Midfield depth, and you can use the U twenty two on a striker. Yeah. I mean, Yugo Kubo's depth everywhere, so... <laughs> yeah. Unless right, he's starting, yeah. in which case he's depth nowhere, which is part of the issue here. Except for depth at left wing back. Apparently. Obviously. <laughs> so, there just wasn't a lot that happened in this game. I thought the defense was as advertised. I thought specifically that I agree with Kevin. I thought Kip Keller had a just a hell of a game. I thought he was arguably the strongest of the defenders in terms of the performance I saw on the field. Miles Robinson is such a steady pro and he watching him play is kind of a joy just based on how his positioning is and how he moves to make sure that he's never caught out of position on anything. So I thought that was really, really good. The only real blemish I think on the back line is that there were two. The first one was right out of the shoot and I thought it was hilarious about, Oh, boy, are we checking off all the boxes for narratives quickly that I think, what was it? Three, four minutes into the first half, there's a a dive um, just outside the box, diving into the box. And we get our first big moment for replacement referees <laughs> as there's a penalty called immediately against FC Cincinnati, which would have been a deciding goal. It turns out if they would have been given that. Yeah. Um, and we get the first VAR check of the year, which somehow went our way. And I'm going to choose to believe that none of the reason why we won this is because none of these officials are PSRA members. And so they have not been getting all of the emails and all of the memos, <laughs> and they haven't been on the group threads where it's been told, hey, you got to make sure you stick it to Cincinnati for all the shit they've done for us over the years or the way they treated the Miazga situation. So the, I think the fact that there were non-union members working this game actually saved us in this moment. Because the VAR check and they pulled the foul back to outside the box and it was dealt with. But other than that, I struggle to remember a single time in the first half that the back line was seriously threatened. Yeah, I would agree with that. There were, I mean, there were some moments. There was a hilarious moment later in the game where. Uh, well, second half, second half where it would be. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, what was it? Yes. Uh, who, somebody fell down and then a shot that should have been. It was, I think it was a Wusu. Yeah. Could have been. Their new but, signing up top. Yeah. Like a surefire tap in goal that he just fell down and the ball hit him on the hand, <laughs> causing a handball. <laughs> <laughs> just bounced around as he's sitting there on all fours. The ball just sort of bounces around in there. Uh, no, you bring up a great point with the center referee. Uh, the VAR call it took a little bit of time, but they ultimately got it right, which again, I. If we're going to have it, take the time you need to make sure you get the, the call right. But I thought this was one of the better ref matches that we've had. The ref kept the game under control. There were, you know, there there's some moments, obviously, you're always going to complain about the referee. like, But it was nice. The ref didn't seem to make it about themselves. I didn't leave that game knowing their name. Although I do think their name was Wiener, and I remember that because their name was Wiener. But <laughs> just the sort of thing about a person you don't forget, honestly. Yeah, it comes up. <laughs> so Pat, in in his in his post game press conference, Pat Noonan said the referee was excellent. There you go. And you know, I 
you know, I trust Noonan's ability to <laughs> uh, rate rate an official's performance better than you know my own or basically anybody else. Do we know if he if he made that statement unprompted or if that was a result of a question? Because if it was an unprompted statement, that's an all time moment by Pat Noonan. Somebody somebody oh, asked him damn it. Uh, how he thought how he thought the officials were. I think it was it was a local TV person like WCPO or something, which is maybe the first time I heard that I heard somebody from one of the local TV stations in one of these press conferences, which that's a good that's sign. That's a very good sign. Continues. Um, but, uh, and obviously like I don't have any ability to rate the official. Um, the only thing I would say, well, I want to say two things about the replacement officials. Please. One is there seemed to be a segment of MLS media that is falling all over themselves, micromanaging every decision, every VAR call, saying like, oh, this VAR call took too long. Um, this was a soft yellow. Like trying to point out... Okay, I want to say three things about this. <laughs> um, Keep going. Trying to point out like every every little error. And, like, and, and I don't think that... And these are like the same people that will tell us, you know, you can't just complain about every ref call when it's the PSRA officials calling the game, you mm-hmm. know? And, and to then turn around and like blow everything out of proportion as if we haven't seen like a VAR overturn from a PSRA official or a soft yellow from a PSRA official um, is, is, is wild to me. Uh, two is the athletic, I think clearly is taught the athletics seems to be the ones the PSRA is talking to. And, um, you know, the athletic was actually subject to a New York times union grievance <laughs> that the sports desk work was being sent to the non-union, the athletic. <laughs> so the athletic writers are replacement workers <laughs> or scabs themselves. <laughs> um, they are being used by the New York Times company to do what was previously bargaining unit work um, in a non by non-union workers. I just think that's very interesting. I was just going to add to that this past weekend, uh, I believe, was the first instance of the athletic soccer appearing in the print New York Times. I don't know if that had happened before. So, yeah. Yeah. So, folks, look up. On Google, New York Times grievance the athletic. You'll find plenty of articles and coverage of that dispute. Um, and then the last thing is, I'm seeing a lot of people virtue signaling, like you know, we we support labor, we stand with with the PSRA refs. And I gotta say, I do not remember. I did not remember that so many people voted for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you as part of the movement, you know, back when we were, uh, back when we were, were doing it. But, you know, I'm glad you're here now, I guess. Just to balance this conversation out, I'm going to be the one that says, I really, really hope MLS takes a page out of the Gipper's playbook and just fires all of the officials and decertifies the union. Like, we're going to break these bad boys right now. So the problem, I know they can't, I know they, I know there, there is so much legally wrong with what I just said. (laughs) And I'm just acknowledging that right out of the shoot. I just want to say this because it makes me feel good in this space. And, you know, people are, people are like, you know, hashtag pay the refs. The refs got paid. Yeah. Center refs were making six figures. They're making like multiples of what 
teachers and paramedics and all types of other, you know, people who, you know, don't bother me every day. <laughs> uh, we're, we're making who serve you know like important functions in society so like they they were getting paid you can talk about like okay what's fair or whatever but if you're not willing to have the discussion of like okay should every mls team pay an extra hundred thousand dollars this year for for toward toward ref pay um should every accountant who has a side gig as an official um make a upper middle class living from his side gig right. um does uh uh does does like center officials made more than ian murphy and like duncan mcguire <laughs> and all kinds of like productive mls players that like we want to see on the field and i know that ref's got to be there but like There, I don't think the arguments that are being put forward by, you know, middle-aged people with professional jobs who just by their haircuts have not been like that involved in the labor movement their entire <laughs> lives. <laughs> um, so, you know, I guess they're, they're having more, uh, discussions this week so you know hopefully whatever happens gets gets yep. gets resolved I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna bet they lost a lot of leverage this weekend just based on a cursory glance of how these games went because i watched a few, i watched watched a few of these games because of the new apple mls schedule that now plays games at different times during the day and i gotta tell you i didn't notice a whole lot different between the last MLS games I remember watching last year and what this was, was the officiating good? It's all right, but it's always been all right. It's never been a very excellently officiated league. Yeah, Grayson, that's what I wanted to ask you. What <clears throat> what would happen if MLS was just fine with these replacement refs? Is that is that an option? Like, are they paying more for these guys? Is that... I don't I don't know with I don't I don't think we're going to find out what these guys are making. Okay. I mean maybe we will, but there's no way to know what they're making cuz there's no like union contract currently right. in place or anything. Um my I think it's a little squishy. Okay. But my belief is that like so I don't think there's like any you know, sunset period for the lockout. You know, they don't have to bring back the bargaining unit workers until they reach some type of agreement to bring them back in. Even if it's not like the full CBA, they could reach a, you know, which MLS had offered the refs. Uh, so my understanding is the MLS had offered the refs the ability to keep refing this year at what they made last year with the potential that the new rates would be applied retroactively. So they would get... oh. Yeah. Like true up payments for the games. And that, that wouldn't have been guaranteed, of course. It would have had to be agreed to. Sure. But you have the potential to then get paid your increased rate for the games you've already you've already officiated. Right. Okay. Um and um and I but I think that since it's a lockout and not a strike, MLS can't just be like 
these, I guess not MLS, by the way. It's right. Pro. pro can't okay. just decide a wholesale replacement. <laughs> pro, I, I, think, I think in a lockout, the employer can basically only hire temporary replacements and not permanent replacements. Whereas like in a strike, you can hire permanent replacements and those people become often... And there's always, except those people often become part of the bargaining unit. Mm. And so like, it's not unheard of for there to be a strike, the employer to hire a bunch of replacement workers, strikes over, striking employees return back to work. Now the bargaining unit is a whole different set of people and they file a decertification petition and the replacement workers out, out, outnumber the, the formerly striking workers. And now there's no more union. Uh, so you, you do run into this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but lock, I, but with the lockout, um, it's, I, I'm pretty sure you're limited in your ability to hire anybody as a permanent I see. replacement. And if you read the, um, if you read the article, that I wrote, I think it's part one about the ref CBA. Yeah. There was a provision in there where it was like officials, you know, non-union officials can officiate MLS games. But if you officiate like your 10th game, you automatically become part of the bargaining. Yeah. Unit. Yeah. There's no, there's no contract in place right now. Mm. So like that provision is likely not, well, that, that provision is not like, Oh, it doesn't exist. Active. Yeah. Like that contract is not right. there's valid. No, well, there's, there's no contract. Right. So there's no terms to a contract. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like there are, there is circumstances where this is so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enthralled. I, maybe one other person is. No, this is good <laughs> shit. <laughs> so there's circumstances where people keep working um, while they're negotiating a contract. Mm -hmm. And like the certain kind of key main terms of the previous contract usually like you know like pay benefits um how shifts are assigned that type of right. stuff like stuff that's like kind of core to like the the work right like the fact of you working will continue um but a lot of provisions won't and there's often like a dispute about which provisions continue and which don't and whatever but like they're locked out so that kind of puts a lot of that stuff that puts a lot of that stuff to bed. Yeah. You um, know, but I do know that I do know because the, and I'll shut up after this, that the GM of pro, uh, uh, I think Howard Webb. Yes. Uh, put out a letter, um, you know, kind of detailing, like, like responding to some of the, the PSRA president's claims and saying like what they had done and they had offered, like I talked about with the pay, for example, they had offered a, a, a kind of interim deal to mm -hmm. the PSRA to continue certain terms of the, of the CBA and have them working MLS games while they negotiate. And the PSRA turned that down. Yeah. You know who uh, did not know you knew all of this before they, they stepped to you? at least digitally, be a Christina uncle on Twitter. <laughs> we don't have time to detail it now, but if folks go go dig that up, uh, Christina uncle and uh, Grayson went, went a few rounds digitally <laughs> before. We, we ended it 
in a friendly yeah manner. It, it was as, it as was friendly very as nice. any exchange on the x app ends where it's have a good night i'm going back to my life right right it's just somebody did not know that they were about to engage in a conversation with one of the more knowledgeable people on the very specific subject that they were talking about chief is there anything else from this game it's it's hard to draw large conclusions we we did touch on the couple of big moments in this game um trying to selentano look good sean johnson looked good for toronto i I mean he looked like he was thoroughly disinterested in playing soccer it's always a bad sign when you get the crowd counting for you in the first the first half yeah um so he was doing his best to try and slow the game down a bit i thought he looked good i just thought the the overall vibe of this game was there just so few chances that FC Cincinnati created? I pulled the the old Fot Mob stats up, which you know, stats lie. We all know this, <laughs> and the uh, the it just it it paints a good picture, I think, of just how kind of dull this game was. The XG on FC Cincinnati's side point eight nine to point four four for Toronto, which I think is incredibly low given how good of a chance that was that ended Mm -hmm. up in uh, Owusu's hand in the box. Uh, 17 shots to eight, only two big chances for FC Cincinnati, no big chances for Toronto. And nobody with a match rating above like a 7.1 for FC Cincinnati. It was just, I don't know. It It was a, for a first match of the year, it felt lifeless and disjointed. And you could just tell that this team isn't where it needs to be yet in terms of a lot of players that we know are good players. Um, Lucho Acosta just looked out of sorts for the majority of the game. There were passes played where I think he thought people were making different runs than they actually were. The buildup in the midfield just sort of never really happened, which led to neither team really having opportunities because they just kept pinging the ball back and forth to one another on misconnections and, you know, bad passes. I don't, I just, it's match one and yeah. we knew it was going to look like this. And it, it was, you held out hope in the back of your mind sort of after that Cavalier game that ah, maybe this team will hit the ground running and then just, nope. So, yeah, I, I guess putting it all in, in in sum, it was the parts of the team that are complete, the back line and the defending looked phenomenal. The parts of this team that are sort of being remade as this team goes forward looked very much like they're being remade as this team goes looking forward. I guess the only and then, you know, the only real thing was, is that Baird had a bicycle kick that looked cool as hell and required necessitated a save a great save from 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 johnson and then after that there was just not a lot of nothing on this game yeah nice day for soccer though great day it was great day to be outside (laughs) it really was yeah toronto definitely seemed intent on killing this game off and was playing for a a draw they they came looking for a point and they got their point yeah um and it had been a minute i was trying to remember what the last nil nil draw we saw TQL Stadium was. It, it feels like it's been a really long time. Gosh. I think the last, and I was trying to think what the last nil-nil draw FC Cincinnati had just in general in league play was. Like, I think it was Orlando in week two or three last year. Did that? Depends how you feel about penalties, right? <laughs> That's a good call. No, actually, 
Actually, did any of our none of our games that went to penalties last year were nil nil? I don't think so. No, they were all one one, right? Except for the Miami one, where there were famously a In lot of goals. SKC. Somebody, somebody, get the get the minister of information on this. I would like to know how long it has been since there has been a nil nil game at TQL Stadium. At TQL Stadium, it's going to take me further back than this, but Chief, you are correct. The last nil-nil game with FC Cincinnati was week two at Orlando. That was March 4th. Uh, That was the only nil-nil game involving FC Cincinnati. Uh, There was only one nil-nil game the year prior, 2022. That was Atlanta United hosting FC Cincinnati on April 16th. Wow, really? This is wild. Let me go one back. I, sw- Did- I swear it, it felt like I, it felt like it's been a really long time since we've had a game like this at home. August eighteenth, twenty twenty one. Of all teams, man, I would have missed this a hundred times out of a hundred. CF Montreal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I remember that game. FC Cincinnati actually won that game one nothing. Oh, uh, Brenner had a goal taken back for offside when he was not offside. There you go. Uh, Alan Cruz got a yellow card in that game, if that means anything to you. Montreal played down a man uh, from the 74th minute on in that one. Um, Actually, yeah, gosh, that was that was a rough year. The week prior was 1-1 Orlando. Then it was nil-nil us in New York Red Bulls. And the week prior to that, DC United, FC Cincinnati, nil-nil. So. so good thing we don't have to endure games like this a lot, because they're just they're just a slog to watch. That was the last positive moments, by the way, of 2021. We went on to lose three games in a row, beat Toronto 2-0 uh, September 11th, and then did not win a game again for the rest of the year. <laughs> ah, 2021. Yeah, so here's here's a I found a highlight of full-time union officials calling Brenner offside. When he was not, in fact, offside brutal. and taking that goal away. Absolutely brutal. It's a hell of a memory on that, though, to remember that specifically from that game. <laughs> that's that's holding a grudge right there. <laughs> I bet Brenner doesn't even remember that. I got a tattoo for every goal of Brenner's <laughs> that was wrongfully denied by a uh, referee employed by the professional referee organization <laughs> uh, my back looks like mr zaz from dc comics <laughs> i was gonna say you just like full-on killmonger <laughs> i'm becoming the red dragon <laughs> an intricate mural oh god uh, well, i think that's gonna do it for toronto uh unless anybody else has move anything on. else though all right it, let's get advance. out of here uh let's move on over to part two where we talk cavalier and Concacaf champions league this is going to be a split review preview episode or at least portion so we'll, we'll jump on over there And before we get into the next part of the episode, I want to tell you about our other sponsor, Cincy Shirts. And if you're going to sit here and tell me that you've never heard of Cincy Shirts, I'm going to sit here and tell you, I don't believe you. Because these guys have been with FC Cincinnati from the very beginning. And we here at The Post, we are just huge, huge fans of their work. They have tons of really cool FC Cincinnati gear, shirts, hoodies, hats, 
all sorts of cool stuff, go over to their website, check out what they are selling. You want to go to cincyshirts.com. That is Cincy with a Y, or you can just click the link in the description of this episode. And when you go there, use the promo code THEPOSTCINCY, all one word, all caps, and they will knock 10% off your next order. They have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online or in their three retail locations in Hyde Park, Fort Mitchell, or Loveland. And I can attest to this, I've used this before, if they don't have your size on the shelf, they can probably print you one on the spot in the store. So again, huge thank you to Cincy Shirts for sponsoring the podcast, and a huge thank you to you, dear listener, for using that promo code. All right, and we are back and we're talking Champions League, all right? Cavalier played FC Cincinnati last week on Thursday on FS2. I believe the home leg of this game is on Tubi for folks who are... Or not Tubi. Tubi or not Tubi. Uh, Tubi, sneaky good service, I will say. Free, ad-supported nonsense. Um, it's everything quibby wanted to be <laughs> quibby to be man it's all the same thing ye olden days uh so cavalier Hello. fc cincinnati ends with fc cincinnati taking that one two to nothing the highlight of all highlights in this one was definitely uh kimi ardonez's back heel to Malik Pinto for a uh, a hell of a strike uh, on the uh, the Jamaican side. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because this will have been two matches ago. But uh, Chief, any any big feelings coming out of the initial Champions League matchup? That Cavalier was terrible. Not a good <laughs> I mean- team. It was. I think weren't you the one that said they are the they were the lowest ranked team in CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, they they should be the worst team on paper in this whole competition. And boy, did they live up to that. I mean, (laughs) we we were joking uh, watching the first half that Roman Celentano was probably doing push ups or running wind sprints along the back line just to keep himself, you know, get a workout in because he had nothing to do for the overwhelming majority of this match, the entirety of the match felt like it was played on Cavaliers side of the field. They were unable to possess the ball for any long stretches. They were thoroughly outmatched in any duels that happened. FC Cincinnati showed an ability to get forward and threaten with basically minimal effort. It just, it, and when you add in the environment it was played in on a <laughs> high school looking field with generously 25 people hanging out there, I think most of which were related to Alvis Powell, maybe. Yes. The looks yes. of things. Um, <laughs> and, and Malik Pinto. Malik Pinto also had family there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like it just it felt like, you know, this is what. So, Kevin, when you talk about wanting more preseason matches televised, I think this is probably what you're thinking of right here. Empty stands, a broadcaster that's thoroughly disinterested in the game that he's calling from a remote location and some local college side getting thoroughly beat down by an MLS team looking to get their work in. 
Well, I don't know about you. I had fun on Thursday. So. I had a blast. That was great. <laughs> I need more preseason games. Uh, Grayson, I'm going to read off some stats to you, and this is this is going to be our way of reviewing this game. FC Cincinnati had 75% of the possession. They had 27 shots to Cavaliers 5. They had 7 shots on target to Cavaliers 1. But this is my favorite stat of the night. Accurate passes. FC Cincinnati had 639 accurate passes. That's good for an 88% completion rate. Cavalier had 142 complete passes for a passing rate of 61%. This is like peak Barcelona playing an MLS side. (laughs) This is what that ratio that is telling me there. The only statistical category on FOTMOB that that Cavalier won, I love this, they beat us by two on throw-ins. They had 22 throw-ins to our 20. Any any hesitation going into this midweek game that FC Cincinnati can't advance in Concacaf Champions League? Uh, no, no hesitation. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to a fun time for my first game in person of the season. Um, you forgot the you forgot the uh, probably most important stat oh, please, from that game please. Thursday though. Uh, Brett Halsey pushed a guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredible bit of video. Just that's going to live on yeah. in the reaction gift lore, I think. Yeah, that was for sure. Such a good moment. Uh, I'm excited to just have this team gel more. I mean, from the midweek game to the game on the weekend, it was virtually the same starting lineup. Uh, Miazga for Keller on the back line, uh, Oriano for Halsey on the left wing position. But otherwise, that was that was the lineup. I'll be very interested to see what happens this weekend. I assume and, and will continue to assume that the lineup we get on Wednesday is going to be heavily rotated. I think we see Pento start. I think we see Halsey start. I think we see Powell start. I would have said I would have said that before today, but after watching today, I can't imagine that the takeaway from Noonan and the coaching staff is anything other than these guys need to play together mm. more. And it's early in the year. There's not a lot of minutes on the uh, on the tires right now for anyone that's playing. There will be time later on this year to rotate. But right now, with as thin as the bench is and as little time together as these these guys have had, I would if I'm and there's a reason I'm doing a podcast no one listens to as opposed to running a <laughs> soccer team. But if it's me, my takeaway from this game today is any plans I would have had to rotate for the midweek game got thrown out, and you need to have Lucho out there with Buka, Oriano. If you can get Bapenza out there for some time without risking his injury, he might be the only person that stays on the bench, but I would want Baird out there, and I would want as much of the back line in there as possible for a game like this. You should be able to sub a lot of these guys out later in the match, especially if you score a goal or two early. But these guys need minutes together and they need minutes together right out of the shoot, not sort of coming on in shifts to talk to play with one another. Grayson, what would you do? Yeah, I I I mostly agree with Chief. I think the the people that he mentioned I want to see out there on Wednesday because I want them to get some game time together 
where no offense to Cavalier, although you already said it, it's an inferior opponent. Let's work on our, let's work on our, you know, patterns of play. Let's work on getting in sync. Let's watch the ball hit the back of the net, you know, a few times, right? I'm a big believer in the repetition of scoring goals Mm -hmm. where like if you're scoring goals, it doesn't matter the level of competition. You kind of get into that rhythm. It's like free throw shooting. Got to see the ball go through the net. Right. But I would be surprised if they like rotated out like Miles Robinson um, and let Miazga play with Keller and Murphy or rotated out, say, Kubo at right wing back um, and played like Alvis there to start. Um, But like... I think that anybody that you're, I think anybody that you think is supposed to be like a key contributor in how you plan to score goals, yeah, should be out there to start the game Wednesday. And let's let's like let's get it rolling. Hmm. I include Kubo for that reason, just because he's a guy who just needs right. if if he is the plan at right wing back, and for all we know. They've got somebody that they're lining and fixing to sign but here before the window closes in April. They've got time to do that. But if there is any thought whatsoever that we're going to have to roll to the summer window with Yu Yakubo being one of the first choices at right wing back, he needs minutes. He needs minutes there. It's a position that he's not familiar with, and he's being asked to do a different thing with players who are used to him doing something completely different where he just needs to get in sync with that. Yeah. You had 75% possession down at their place. You're going to, they're not going to touch the ball. <laughs> right. Like a TQL, right? This is going to be a prime opportunity to, to get out, to get everybody on the same page with each other. And Sergio Santos scored the opening goal. <laughs> Maybe the coaching staff sees it, sees it differently uh, than I do. And I'm sure they see like many, many things. Uh, differently than I do because they watch the games. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. Ke- Ke- like Kevin, do you, it, you you also were at the game today. Is the is the takeaway that they need more time, or is the takeaway like is practice time going to fix this, or is or am I wrong in thinking that they need game time? Is, I think is this even game time useful mm. because it's such a bad opponent? I don't know if that's the answer either. That's where my thought was going. That it's it's almost junk minutes. That if if we run out the first choice lineup on these guys and we beat them twelve to nothing, I I don't know how valuable that is. Uh, but it's not to say it would be of no value. I, you do just need to start to balance the you know the winning this this round or even drawing this round or this game uh as you advance you will have to play monterey those will be tough games that's more midweek travel that other teams in the league don't have to do you presumably want to catch a team like chicago earlier in the season before their new pieces start to gel and come together so this coming uh weekend's match is very important i don't know how much of that is yeah you want to let guys hang back make sure everybody's healthy or or that i i could really go either way but my first instinct was that this team is so bad that the lessons learned would not be as useful or at least you wouldn't gain anything more than just doing FCC two versus FCC one 
all week in in games. I'm also not. Okay, so I understand Grayson found this to be a hot take in the first half of things, whatever. (laughs) If MLS teams are going to be so bad in this tournament that it like ruins the start of their year, if we're not going to win it, just lose and get out of this because it's really not going to provide. If we're not in a position to win it, then all we're doing is making the games that are important miserable. <laughs> like, I don't want to do another one of these nil-nil games. And if the price for that is dumping out after the second round or the first round of the CONCACAF Champions League, I'm kind of over this tournament already at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I see the value. I will say for other leagues, uh, one, it certainly is a problem. I will I will hold up my my... My good old friend Everton here as an example of this. Many, many moons ago, Everton was pretty good. They they finished fifth in the Premier League, made their way into the Champions League, had a little extra money in their pocket, brought in some good players. Balancing, <clears throat> actually it was the Europa League, that's how, that's how dumb that was. Uh, balancing Europa League and the Premier League at the same time stretched a not as good roster to its limits, and they struggled in both competitions, ultimately getting dumped out of the Europa League and really struggled in the Premier League to the point where they never made it back to their sort of assumed position of seventh. The seventh place was always Everton spot. That was the memorial Everton spot. And they never made it back ever since their last uh, you know, foray into continental competition it in a lot of ways it broke the club attempting to do that i don't think mls clubs are deep enough to be able to balance all of these competitions at the same time that's not to say i agree with mls's overall take that they need to get rid of the open cup to alleviate roster congestion i think the opposite lesson should be learned and that they should be spending more on the roster so that every mls team has Two guys that otherwise would be starters, but are on the bench for their MLS side. I think that would help quite a bit. But yeah, when you compare it to the Manchester cities of the world, where their third choice lineup would probably win the league in literally every other league, yeah, things look a little different. But until then, I I think... I think we have to give MLS teams a little bit of credit. But yeah, Chief, there is a point to where like if we look ahead and we see Miami versus Nashville and it's us and Monterey and you think we probably don't even make the semifinals. <laughs> then, yeah, maybe maybe we just score five own goals to start tomorrow off. We just call it a day. <laughs> five own goals and then throw the first lineup out there. Let them get their work in and we can be done with this because... <laughs> I know we're supposed to pretend like anything's possible and we can win this tournament. We're not going to win this tournament. I just, it's not. Maybe if this was at the end of the year or further on down, but when you combine all the new people we've got to, you know, mesh in with the fact the roster isn't complete yet, it's just, it's not, it's not going to happen. And so there's got to be a way to gracefully bow out of this. And if that could happen before Brandon Vasquez comes back and scores a bunch of goals like he's been doing, maybe that's the, maybe that would be a win here in this space. It would be just hilarious to force Monterey to go play Cavalier. <laughs> Maybe having more games, though, helps helps them mesh early in the season. Mm-hmm. Like, work out some of those growing pains. And, you know, if, even if you don't think Cavalier is going to provide much benefit 
um, playing like Monterey and having to all get up to play a team like Monterey might be a good thing, even if they lose that round. Yeah. Or maybe you like you implement like some youth soccer rules where, where you are beating a team 10 to nothing, where you say like headers only for goals or something or volleys only. Right. It's, like a, it's, like so, it's somebody trying to unlock a bunch of Xbox achievements where yes, yes. I'm not actually trying to win the game. I have to score a specific way in a specific time. <laughs> yeah. So you're not allowed to shoot unless it's off of your weak foot or something. Right. Like we get Bupens some reps on, on both sides of his body and we, we see sure. what we get. Why not? Um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know how much more there is to talk about this, other than to say victory here, or at least not giving up the two away goal advantage in the tie of two to nothing. Um, we'll see us advance to Monterey. Uh, do we want to just do predictions here? I don't. I don't have anything else to talk about with this uh, one. Unfortunately, they'll win. Three to nothing, probably. Three to nothing. I don't. I don't see them after watching what I saw in their home stadium. I don't see this team scoring a goal. They had like one good opportunity. That was about it. It got run down pretty quickly. Uh, I will repeat my scoreline that I attempted to predict at a street side, and I will say five to nothing. I think we we. We lay the whooping on him. Grayson, you're gonna thread the needle and go four nothing. I'll go six. Oh! <laughs> I mean, why not? Yeah, like, let's get this, wild with it. This team should only be gelling more. Even if they do rotate, they should be by far the best team on the field. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you make them go away. Yeah, this this ought to be a pretty devastating match for old Cavalier. Oh boy. Ah, well, that's going to do it for part two. Part three, we've got some listener questions. Join us over there. We just got a couple more questions for you, and we'll get you out of here. All right. We are back, and we are answering, answering, uh, many might say, Listener questions. These questions come from the Patreon. A huge thank you to all of the lovely, lovely, very attractive patrons who support us on Patreon. Uh, If you do, you get to ask a question to us each month, and we have some questions to get to. And and if if you are looking to become a Patreon, you can pay for that Patreon subscription with just one visit to Streetside Brewery <laughs> a month. You order two beers using, uh, tell them that the postcast sent you. Take those $2 saved and become a Patreon. Why would you want to do that? I don't know. But <laughs> if you're so inclined to, that's a great way to find your $2 it would take to be a Patreon. And also, you know, have some great beer at the same time. Also, you know, people talk about like, you know, for the for the price of like one cup of coffee a month <laughs> right. or whatever. Uh, we're not even asking you to forego a cup of coffee a month. We're just saying don't tip your bar- your, your barista one time. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. Give their tip. Give their tip to us. <laughs> it's just on on the uh, on the ticket. I need you to write. Sorry, already paid somebody else. That's yeah. Show up. They have Premier League mornings at Streetside Brewery now. Have yourself two dark beers while watching the Premier League. 
take those $2 saved. I'm not, we're not asking you to forego anything. We are directing you to a place where you can save money and then, you know, remit some of that back to us. We're encouraging you to consume more. Yes. Yes. Because there is no, as I've said, there is no higher virtue <laughs> in the freest society in the history of the world than your ability to consume. This is, we are here to make sure the American economy keeps moving, keeps chugging. And, and the other thing too is you need to go back to street side at least once because we need to make them believe that this wasn't a one-time thing and that we do actually have people that, <laughs> that it wasn't just all our friends and family that we paid to show up. <laughs> Although my dad did show up and I didn't know that. And it was very, it was very embarrassing. <laughs> I think I made it clear that none of my friends came. <laughs> Don't worry. My entire extended family showed up. So we, uh, we were there to, to fill in the numbers there. Um, all right. So we've got a, a, a number of really good questions. I really like these. Um, one, this one is from Sarah Gorman. She asks, we have plenty of least favorite teams, but which team would you each pick if you had to pick a best friend team? And how would you weaponize that friendship to be toxic, aggressively come to their defense on Twitter, uh, even more so than their own fans, not leave their fans alone if you see them pre-gaming? I really like this question. The, the opposite of a rival, who are you picking as your obnoxious best friend club? Ooh, this is good. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to make sure I understand the premise of this question. This is a yes. club that I don't hate, no, but that I also have the ability to annoy the ever-living shit out of by my no, behavior. I think, I think we are, um, like, if they are aggrieved by a VAR call. We're talking, like, female friendship, not toxic male okay. uh, friendship. Yeah, um, we're, we're rushing to their defense and annoying other people on their behalf. We are validating and supporting each other. Even listening to right. their problems without offering solutions, yes. I mean, the, the answer is going to be whoever San Diego's biggest rival becomes, obviously. <laughs> Like, I don't know who that's going to be, but like wh whoever that is, that's definitely going to be my new best friend because who will their biggest rival be? I think they're going to have a problem because L L.A. and L.A.F.C. are obviously rivals. Who else is in? I guess you had to do a NorCal SoCal thing with the Quakes, but that seems really forced. Yeah, I don't know that I like that. I think right now I would say, I don't know, I'll say Montreal. Um, I like Montreal. Francophones. Nice place to visit. Was at their stadium, enjoyed some good poutine. They seem mostly inoffensive, especially since Wilford Nancy isn't coaching there anymore. Nice place. I'm going to say, yeah, Montreal. I like it. And plus, when I rush to their defense, it's going to be in a language they don't speak. So that's kind of <laughs> annoying, I would think. <laughs> I like that. Grayson, who are you picking as a, a best friend club? NYCFC. Oh, man. Talk, quoting Ayn Rand, supporting a fascist club. This is good. I think I think their field is is good, and I believe that it's regulation FIFA uh, dimension sides, and I also believe that it's symmetri symmetrical and flat. I like um, this. I think it's good to have uh, a presence of the stature of City Football Group uh, supporting Major League Soccer. And I like the fact that, you know, they actually play soccer. They play football. They aspire to play with the ball, to be 
entertaining to watch. Um, unlike the Pretenders, uh, New Jersey Harrison Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I like the idea of supporting our our rival's rival, enemy of my enemy. I I think for me, I'm going to go a slightly different route. I'm going to say my best friend club is Minnesota. I want the you just want to join the Red Loons is all you want to do. I mean, I'm not the opposed only, the to only the openly Loons. communist supporters group <laughs> in Major League Soccer. I I appreciate that they exist. Um, I like that Minnesota and Cincinnati are both on sort of the extreme sides of what most people will still consider the Midwest. I, I really enjoy that. And I think Minnesota and Cincinnati share a lot in common. They're sort of overlooked cities despite being fairly large. I like that they also came up from the lower divisions, that the star on their crest is referencing a lower division title victory of theirs. Um, and I think that their fans need some defending from their own ownership group because their ownership group does not have a full-time manager in place. And I'm still not even sure if like their general manager joined them yet or not. I think he's supposed to be joining full-time in the summer from an English club. So like they could use some defending in-house as well. They, they need some help over there. So I'm always, always, always going to be bummed that they aren't the St. Paul FC, that they should, should have zigged when everybody else zagged. Their stadium is in St. Paul, so they they really had the yeah. opportunity to. <laughs> uh, all right, so I've got two related questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna loop them in together here. Uh, question from Drew says: Will Matt Miazga be the same after his main anger management classes, or is this the beginning of a changed man? I will couple that with who will be the bigger shithouser in 2024. This one's from Bart Sharkey. Uh, Penza or Miazga? What if we, what if Matt Miazga has an office space thing, like where he's under hypnosis from a hypnotherapist, and the hypnosis the hypnotist dies before bringing him out, and then everything um, from that moment actually like makes him be Zen. I, mean, I really hope on. that's the case. Yeah, he's just he's totally like hippie he's just everything's happy he, he has a lot of like uh nick Hagland energy <laughs> it's, it's everything's really happy he and shows up and he's just, you know, wearing tie-dye just laid back guy <laughs> pajama pants to work he's just completely changed the anger and the edge that he played with is all gone i watched uh, creed on a plane recently and i'm just thinking about the the line where they're getting ready for the big fight and rocky says like he's the champ you gotta take the fight to him um, Miazga is the champ shithouser. You know, like if anybody's going to take the belt, they got to really, really bring it. So you're saying Pupenza needs to shithouse Miazga in order to take the title. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he needs to do, he needs to do something we haven't seen before is, is what I'm I saying. mean. The back heel goal, level. the back heel goal in a, in an actual game. Would be pretty spectacular. So like to me, I judge shithousery in soccer. And who would be the biggest person in this space? By who do I envision grabbing their eye like they've just been gouged and falling down and rolling around on the ground when absolutely no contact has been made? Mm -hmm. I just don't see that as a Matt Miazga move. Like Matt Miazga probably says really, really heinous stuff, 
like wh- whispers that to you as he's, you know, on top of you before a set piece. You know, I'm sure he, he plays a little bit with an edge. But Bupenza is definitely a dude I could see trying to flop for a card a lot more than I would see from Miazga. Miazga has too much pride to go down. You're not strong enough. Your arms aren't long enough to box with God when it comes to Miazga. He's not going down for you easy. I I think I'd agree with that. That Miazga is the is the enforcer of the team. He's not a shithouser. Like Mosquero yeah. was a shithouser. Yeah, the, the real answer is is Miazga is not a shithouser and like Bupenza is cuz Bupenza like would know what he's doing, right? Miazga just wants to pet the rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just He's he's just he has no idea. Like he genuinely is doing heart hands to the Red Bulls crowd. Like there's no doubt in my mind that that was that that was genuine love. And he and he didn't even like enter his head that somebody would interpret it any other way. Right. No, when he tells you that your mom is hot and he wants to do something to her, it's because he genuinely looked her up and thinks that she's an attractive woman for her age. <laughs> it's just an earnest fella uh and no i assume he will not be a changed man i think that that goes without saying what if he was (laughs) uh you in order to change you have to have the ability to like like understand why what you did was wrong and nothing he did was wrong so what would he understand (laughs) right exactly Exactly. There's, there's nothing to grow from this moment um, we got a great question from KP. He said, who would you want to have a transfer relationship with? And do we want to be the bigger fish or the smaller fish? Which I'm very fine with changing this to the bigger spoon or the smaller spoon going forward. But didn't we put a didn't we put a ban on all talk of that utensil at the uh, live show? Uh, I think it's in reference to the season. Contextual. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Just, I'm trying to understand where the line is this year. Look, if we're banning cuddling talk on this podcast, I will quit right here, right now. Oh, that's, all right. That's just that's what a what a great <laughs> husband. What a great husband, right here. So, uh, so hmm. the idea being, do we want to be Chelsea or do we want to be what was the club Vitesse or Vitesse? yeah, yeah? Like if we could get all of uh, yeah, like Arsenal's two team players or yeah, would like, we want the, let's be the little yeah. spoon here more more years and mascara is out on loan that's that's the dream isn't it to be to every year get some teams hey this guy needs a little seasoning but he's also a premier league or a world-class talent yes yeah, sign me up for that well with one game sample size I say being the big spoon to Velez feels like it'll pay dividends uh, if they keep churning out guys like the, uh, like this. Yeah, I'm with Chief. <laughs> you want? I, you I, just want, want the, our, uh, I just want our son back. Is what I really want. <laughs> A development program with uh, with Wolves very specifically. That's what you want. <laughs> I like that. I like those answers there. Um, all right, uh, I'll, I'll finish this up. The last one here uh, for this episode. Porter Henson asks us, how does the front office staff, coaching staff, and ownership feel about the roster slash salary slash team structure changes or lack thereof that were approved by the Board of Governors for the 2024 season? This is essentially asking, is FCC one of the cheap franchises that's happy to see things stay relatively the same, or did 
FC Cincinnati sort of expect slash hope that things would be getting better by now? Uh, I think they probably would have liked to have seen uh, some more changes than they saw. I agree with that. I I had a similar question posed, not completely similar, but sort of similar vein on on the X app this weekend. I think people forget that Carl Linder's old man kind of was reviled at the end of his life for his stewardship of the Cincinnati Reds. And some of that has been, I think, forgotten in a lot of ways after Bob Castellini's dipshit son decided to go run his mouth a couple of years ago with the whole where are you going to go thing. But mm-hmm. as mad as people are at the Castellinis or were as the Castellinis, they were 10 times as mad at old man Lindner for not investing in the team, not spending payroll for basically squandering their time. They had players like Ken Griffey Jr., Adam Dunn, the team not winning, not going to the postseason. It's hard to see that as a kid, even as a plutocrat billionaire and not think, I would like to do something about my family's legacy a little bit in this space. So I do think there's a strong motivation among um, for ownership to win. And they're part of the new guard of this league. They spent a lot of money on a stadium. They're trying to spend a lot of money developing the area around the stadium. They want soccer to succeed here long term. And I, I don't think that they're part of that cheap owners contingent that's kind of holding this, this, this league back. I just don't think it. Yeah, actually very relevant to this uh, to this conversation. And I think my phone just died, which is great because that's where I had the tweet uh, loaded up. Uh, but allegedly, news coming out late this evening as we're recording, that following the conclusion of Miami LA Galaxy, Don Garber is going to travel to Miami with 12 other MLS owners to discuss potential changes to how MLS manages their roster rules. Uh, This in conjunction with Apple saying that MLS should be signing more players like Messi, which granted, not a lot like him, but I can take the point of sign more superstars, drive more interest. Uh, It does feel like MLS is starting to have regrets about not making those changes this past offseason, and I wouldn't be surprised if we got changes made this summer, that we had some midseason additions to the designated player rule at a minimum. That is something that I don't think the players union needs to sign off on, at least not formally. It's hard for the league to add more, you know, tons more rule changes without the uh, the union having a say. But designated players is one area they're able to do that. There may be some others. I, I don't know. Grayson would be able to correct me if I threw out a hypothetical that was wrong, like more U-22 spots or making U-22 spots become U-25 spots or trying to play around with something like that. This this does touch on a little thing. I'm almost I might since Kevin is uh, now our video king. I feel like I might have to, (laughs) by the way, congratulations on the video. Go like and subscribe. Smash that like and subscribe button on the Post's YouTube channel, the Post Cincy YouTube. I might do a video on this this week to try and compete with you. But please, did you get the sense or did either one of you get the sense that there is a little bit of an undercurrent in this league brewing of anger 
that the fact that the roster rules haven't changed. And it was expressed this week by the number of teams that for the first time, and as far as I can ever remember, ever putting Mm -hmm. out roster compliance packets and tweets on their website of outlining to fans exactly what the state of their roster is, how they are compliant, every player's uh, option years they have available, what they've done in order in terms of their roster spend. I don't know. That felt a little cheeky and a little directly a shot directly across Miami's bow specifically this year for how they just announced, by the way, we're now roster compliant with really no explanation as to how that took place. Yeah, that was very suspicious with Miami. But then, too, yeah, I think that is a statement being made by certain GMs. And I know we we heard from The Athletic or you know, via The Athletic that at least one GM thought that Miami was completely fucked on the cap space. And then they sold one player that everybody sort of knew was out. And all of a sudden they were perfectly fine. That's not how I would describe fucked. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe they got bad info because not everybody is privy to each other's books. Although I think they are supposed to be privy to each other's books. Maybe that's only after compliance day, but these, these owners, or at least this GM really thought there was a, a very different picture in Miami than there was. And all of a sudden, yeah, we, we sort of get this pushback from other GMs. Very interesting. And here's a tweet, by the way. It's following tonight's game in Los Angeles, MLS Commissioner Don Garber will be traveling to Miami to meet with 12 owners over two days to work out how they should be thinking about roster rules going forward. Okay. And that comes from uh, Justin Ruderman, who is a know, freelance it, journalist in LA, I believe. Sure. I don't uh, know. Gra- Grayson, do you have a uh, an opinion on this one? Um, I, do, I do think that um, there's a little something different in the current uh, landscape with Miami because you had GMs talking to the athletic last year, even saying that they don't see how Miami could be compliant. And then you had GMs talking to reporters recently talking about how Miami is not going to be compliant. And I feel like it's fairly, the situation probably, I feel like the situation would have to be like a bit, uh, a bit tense for 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 them to be commenting to the media like that. Yeah, I also very much appreciate that MLS GMs are telling the athletic writers that Miami is in no way, shape, or form compliant, and that they are upset professionally. Like them voicing that opinion is in a lot of ways saying that the integrity of the competition that they are engaging in is being called into question. But at the same time, those athletic writers will belittle readers and and fans on Twitter for saying, hey, I don't think Miami is compliant. And they will go after you and say, well, of course they are. How dare you question this? MLS knows what they're doing. I just think that's very funny that you get to play both sides of the uh, the argument there from from some in uh, in the athletics writer room. Um, well, that's going to do it for questions, uh, man. Good to be back. Good to be back to two days a week. I think we are. 
we're going to be sticking with this Monday and Thursday-ish schedules. Uh, we will, I mean, I think in a normal week, we would have pushed today's episode back because of a Sunday game. But given the start of the season, it, it makes sense in the early afternoonness of the game. But yeah, Mondays and Thursdays, you can expect episodes in your feed. Um, Chief, get us out of here. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, and you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it, or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcasts, that is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.